coming up on Philosophy Talk. The fish are so happy. How do you know? You're not a fish. How do you know I don't know? You're not me. Is this some kind of Taoist riddle? Zhuangzi, Chinese philosophy from the 4th century BCE. One of the founding figures of Taoism. Did Zhuangzi think that everything was relative? You might think you're hot stuff, but fish just think you look scary. What if I'm just a butterfly dreaming that I'm a philosopher? What if I'm just a philosopher dreaming that I'm a butterfly? I think the stories are confusing in the way that life is confusing. Our guest is Paul Chelberg from Whittier College. Editor of Skepticism, Relativism, and Ethics in the Zhuangzi. By immersing yourself into confusion, you understand better the way in which our experience is confusing. What does it even mean to be one with 10,000 things? It's a Tao of love. Everybody knows that. Taoism in the Zhuangzi. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. This Thursday, join us at KALW's Community Space in downtown San Francisco for Philosophy Talk's first ever quiz night. There'll be refreshments, prizes, and lots of philosophical fun. That's this Thursday, November 9th, 6 p.m. at 220 Montgomery Street in San Francisco. Come question everything. Except your trivia knowledge. Could you be a butterfly dreaming you're a person? Is anything objectively good or bad? What does Chuangzi have to tell us about the way to live? Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm Josh Landy. And I'm Ray Briggs. We're coming to you from the studios of KALW San Francisco Bay Area. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus, where Ray teaches philosophy, and I direct the Philosophy and Literature Initiative. Today, we're thinking about Chuangzi. Chuangzi, fantastic Taoist philosopher from 4th century BCE China. He's so great. Yeah, I just love the book of his writings where he argues that everything is relative. He writes, from the point of view of the way, no thing is more valuable than any other. What a great idea. That doesn't sound so great to me, Ray. It sounds like it could be a recipe for confusion and apathy, maybe even bad behavior. Well, who's to say whether a behavior is good or bad? I mean, Chuangzi doesn't even think that makes sense. He says, when people sleep in a damp place, they wake up deathly ill. But what about eels? If people live in trees, they tremble with fear and worries. But how about monkeys? Of these three, which knows what is the right place to live? I love that quote so much. Maybe it's partly because I'm such a big fan of eels and monkeys. But but I still think it kind of suggests the opposite of what you want to be saying. I mean... Look, I don't want to sleep in the river like an eel. He's right about that. I don't really feel like sleeping up in a tree like a monkey. But doesn't that precisely mean there is something that's good for a human being? It's good for a human being to sleep in a bed under a roof. Ah, you sound just like those Confucian philosophers from Chuangzi's time. They also think there's a single good way to be a human being. Right. They said it's really important to respect your elders, uphold order, do all the proper rituals, be benevolent and responsible, and, you know, perfectly inhabit your social role. Yeah, and Chuangzi realized they were totally wrong. He gave this great example of a useless tree. It's really bad at performing its social role. It's so gnarly and twisted that no carpenter can use it for anything. So it survives while all the other trees get cut down and turned into lumber. But that's exactly my point, Ray. For a tree, presumably, it's good not to get cut down. And in the same way, for a human being, it's good to have a roof over your head. Some things are good. Some things are bad. Okay, but even if some things are good and some things are bad, you're not going to figure out which is which just by listening to authority. 
Chuangzi has this story about a guy who's going for a swim in the middle of a raging waterfall. Somebody asks him how he got so good at swimming. And he says, ah, nobody taught him. He just followed his inborn nature. So that just goes to show. You should listen to your nature. You shouldn't listen to teachers. Don't listen to teachers? Who's telling me that? Chuangzi. Okay, so let me see if I have you right here. The sage tells me not to listen to sages. The advice is not to listen to advice. There's a practice, but it doesn't involve practice. And it's good for us, except that nothing is good or bad. Did I miss anything? Oh, Josh, you and your logic. The whole point of Chuangzi is to get beyond these pointless arguments that don't give us any insight. He says, What man knows is far less than what he does not know. It is because he tries to exhaust this vastness with his meagerness that he bewilders and frustrates himself. I mean, that's really nice and everything, but aren't you supposed to be a philosopher? Are you seriously trying to tell me we should give up trying to know things? Oh, I'm not trying to tell you anything. How could I possibly know? <laughs> nice one, Ray. But seriously, okay, I get that giving up on knowledge would help me to stay calm. But it wouldn't bring me that much joy. Remember what Chuangzi says about what he calls the, the great clump, right? Nature, the universe, or what have you. He says, it burdens me with a physical form, labors me with life, eases me with old age, rests me with death. That doesn't sound like a very cheerful existence. You're missing the point. If everyone would just calm down and stop striving, the world would be so much better. We wouldn't have wars or greed or oppression. Come on, Josh. Wouldn't that be the greatest thing ever? I thought you said nothing is better than anything else. Okay. I don't have a great way out of that one. But I bet our guest does. It's Paul Chelberg from Whittier College, editor of a volume of essays on the Chuangzi. But first, we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Holly J. McDeed, to talk to people who've taken Chuangzi's writings to interesting places. She files this report. Picture a man with a chin stuck down in his navel, shoulders up above his head, pigtail pointing to the sky, five internal organs on display. The man is Splay Lim Shu. His creator is Zhuangzi, and it may not seem ideal to have five organs, but the man is out there living his best life. By sewing and washing, he gets enough to fill his mouth. By handling a winnow and sifting out the good grain, he makes enough to feed ten people. Both in ancient China and in the world today, we tend to describe this person as disabled and as unfortunate because they're not like other people. That's Brian Van Norden, a professor of philosophy at Vassar College. He co-wrote a New York Times op-ed about how Zhuangzi pushed back against the idea that normal is good and different is bad. And he did it more than 2,500 years ago. The reality is that their disabilities in some way open up other opportunities to them. This is why Schwang's is so radical. Van Norden's co-author was John Altman, who studies and writes about philosophy and disabilities. There's so much to Zhuangzi. Altman says the way people think about disabilities still needs to catch up with Zhuangzi. Altman loves how he imbues dignity on these awesome characters. He gives the parable of the knotted tree, the tree that can't be anything. But the tree is great. And because he gives up on his instrumental calculations for the tree, you know, the, uh, the means ends uh, efficient kind of thinking of the tree, the tree is able to live out its years. So for your big tree, no use? Then plant it in the wasteland, in emptiness. Walk idly around. Rest under its shadow. No axe or bill prepares its end. No one will ever cut it down. 
useless. You should worry. Ancient philosophers have often been cruel to people with disabilities. For example, Aristotle argues that, quote, deformed kids should be left to die. In another Shuangzi writing, Confucius meets an amputee named Sushin Notos. Confucius judges him. But Sushan Notos knows there are more important things in life than toes. But I've come now because I still have something that is worth more than a foot, and I want to try to hold on to it. There is nothing that heaven doesn't cover, nothing that earth doesn't bear up. There's so much hostility to um, what philosophy would call alterity, you know, another way of saying difference. And Zhuangzi was one of the earliest voices to say it doesn't need to be that way. And I, I just think there's an immense beauty in that. A lot of Zhuangzi's ideas are just really nice, like how he writes about being one with 10,000 things. You know, a lot of Buddhist thinking and worldview are really about um, looking at notions of duality and how that exists alongside the notion that we are not separate from the world, that we are one. That's Shin Yu Pai, host of the 10,000 Things podcast, all about modern-day artifacts of Asian-American life. In many Chinese sayings and in classical poetry, the number 10,000 is used in a lyrical sense to convey something infinite, vast, and unfathomable. There's an episode about a now-historical blue suit worn by a Korean-American lawmaker cleaning up after the January 6th insurrection. I bought the blue suit initially to be something that I wear to President Biden's inauguration. And I wanted to wear it that day on January 6th because that was the day that we were going to certify the election results. Other episodes are about bikes, a book, and an episode on voices featuring Alice Wong, who lost her physical voice after a catastrophic medical event. Ideas of what is considered a good voice gate keep marginalized people making them feel they can't take up space and sound. And the reality is there is space and sound for all of us. There are so many expressions and permutations of Asian American identity, um, 10,000 of them, you know, infinite and vast, right? And this series was really an effort towards narrative change and uh, humanizing stories of the Asian American experience and maybe also bringing some insight into Asian cultures and identity. Zhuangzi would appreciate that. He says, do not struggle. Go with the flow of things and you will find yourself at one with the mysterious unity of the universe. Let's end there. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Holly J. McDeed. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.